I'm ready to record now. All right. Late to the movies podcast and lyrics by Ben Holt and Drew Barrymore. (laughs) We're late to the movies. (laughs) I like it. You just want to get after it. I like it. We got to get through this. I got things to do. (laughs) Pop goes my heart. That's my first note. It's not even a pun. That's just the line. <laughs> but I capitalized my. You could have said pod. He emphasized pod, pod no. goes my heart. Mm. Oh. I just said pop. I didn't even. Pop goes my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, going to be a weird one. He's got a thrusting injury. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be a weird gonna one. He's going to need a hip replacement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Good movie. <laughs> it is a really good movie. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's that's as good a place to start, I guess. As you guys know, I don't really know how to start yet, so it'll be something like that or something like, welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holt, and this is a podcast where every week my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots by picking a movie that at least one of us hadn't seen before. This week, the movie is continuing rom-com month. It's music and lyrics, Hugh Grant, Drew Barrymore, etc. Uh yeah, this is this is a fun movie. I love this movie. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoy, I enjoyed my time with it. Uh same as last week. The the crew got back together. We just need to talk this one up again. <laughs> Left to right once again. It's Greg. Hey. Ray. Hi. And Robbie. Wah. <laughs> And, All right. Uh, Robbie will be playing Waluigi in this <laughs> in this rendition of Late to the Movies. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's gonna like, yeah, it's gonna be a weird one. Um, before we get too much into the movie, as always, I am curious. Uh, I had seen this before. You guys had seen this before, right? Yeah, we've seen this one yep. a couple times. Yep. Robbie, you thought you might have, but it turns out probably not. Did you guys make me watch this in college? It's possible. I think I've like seen the DVD case in parts of it. So like I feel like you guys had it in your dorm room and it was like on and I saw bits, but like as soon as I watched it, it was brand new for me. Like I had no yeah. recollection of like any plot points. I think that's been fair game for the podcast before is if you've only seen bits and pieces, then it, it counts. <laughs> the premise still applies. Which is good, because otherwise we'd have to stop right here. It mm-hmm. felt very That's new it. to me, and I feel like I can approach it with a very new mindset. I really didn't remember anything where I was like, even like other movies, I'm like, oh, I remember that scene like yeah, from clips. For sure. Zero. So. I, I saw this movie in theaters, and um, maybe once or twice since then, but certainly not recently, and probably not in the last 10 years. So uh, it was, uh, I don't know, it was cool to revisit a very specific time culturally for the music industry. <laughs> For fashion, um, for a bunch of stuff. One thing I picked up on this time, remind me to tell you later because we're not there yet. We're going to talk a little bit about what you guys have been watching. As always, that's what we like to do next. I'm going to cut out one of the times I've said as always because I think I've already said it three times in the Mm -hmm. first two minutes. Mm -hmm. So as always, we've watched nothing recently. (laughs) We were on like, what, like two weeks ago? I think it was last week, wasn't it? It was last, it was last weekend. Yeah, we watched nothing We've still this been week. watching Spirited Away. Still watched Spirited Away. Nice. The Machines made it into the rotation this week, which nice. was nice. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Academy just, Award nominee. Yeah, just so that was on children theme. Want. Yep. Although we are excited because it is almost time. We're, we got those nom- nominations now, so... We do so have those nominations yeah. now. Before, uh, we can get into that a little bit, but I don't want to shortchange you. Is there anything you've watched this week? 
I watched a YouTube video from the Gravel Institute on a FBI agent catfishing a Muslim guy into committing hate crimes. So, <laughs> hmm, fun times. <laughs> fun times. Well, we just discussed that. It was great. Don't talk too much about it. We're going to do a pot on that. <laughs> I don't think we want to. It's very sad. He was a very lonely man that got catfished and is incredibly sad. <laughs> So that is the type that gets catfished most often. And then sometimes football players from Notre Dame. So. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. Uh, what did I watch this week? I'm glad you asked me. Um, <laughs> since the last time we recorded, I did watch Jackass Forever. It is real good. Hmm. There's plenty of ink that's been spilled about, you know, it as a sort of takedown and parody of toxic masculinity and... Um, at the end of the day, it's just like a bunch of friends hanging out and the pandemic has been hard and it's cool to see people hanging out and just like hitting each other in the nuts and making each other laugh. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. If it gets any nominations next year, then I'll probably watch it. Thank God. I mean, if they run Knoxville in supporting actor, I think he's got a chance. <laughs> ben, what's your, your mank pick this year? Your, your movie that we're going to make fun of you for? I can't, I can't tell you. I, I think is it power of the dog? <laughs> I, re- I refuse to accept that it's Power of the Dog. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm really excited to watch Power of the Dog. Okay, good. But I just know you said there was something a movie you thought we might make fun of you for. It's definitely a, a, Power of the Dog. I'm, I'm, just saying, there's, I'm convinced it's Power of the Dog. I thought that no, as soon as you so said that. So there's actually probably three or four that I would consider Licorice Pizza stuff was I'm the really one excited about. Was the one you would be excited for and we're not going to, but I don't That's know. Prob- so I don't want to tell you anything that I'm excited for. I think you guys will just be like, <laughs> no, purposely avoid any context that would help you enjoy the movie just so you'd dislike it more. Well, like you did with Mank. Uh, okay, no, that's, that's not what happened with Mank. We so said did that you we... watch Citizen Kane? No. We didn't even okay. know it was about that. Why would we be like, you know what? Just before we no, watched no, Mank, we let's watch yes, Citizen Kane. Just we didn't go into Mank be being like, Ben this. loves this thing. Like, we all watched it separately, and then you were the only one that was like, Mank is awesome. Everyone else was like, no, Mank is awful. <laughs> Ben's you all just changed Mank is your rosebud? Uh, no, if the last thing I say before I die is Mank, then you have full permission to make fun of me. <laughs> um, uh, That'd be pretty cool. I've never seen Citizen Kane, but I know Rosebud is a key it's a from thing, it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it uh, it means everything or nothing, and that's what the movie's about. It and about America. All oh, I know yeah, I'm is just gonna say that about everything now. Ben is really hyped up for Mank Two whenever it comes out. Uh, <laughs> Mank Two, Mank. Electric Boogaloo. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> two Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, so I would say ones that I'm like really fond of that made it. Um, obviously, Power of the Dog. I've mentioned before. Dune, Licorice Pizza. There, those are all really amazing movies. Oh, movies that I haven't seen yet. Cruella. The what? Cruella. <laughs> it didn't make Best Picture. What a snub. That's weird. Huh. Honestly, all three of those you mentioned, I'm actually really excited to watch. Yeah, I'm excited to I, see all of them. I Licorice you... Pizza intrigues me because it does not sound like something I'd ever eat. But um, no. Honestly, I know nothing about it. But the name they got me hooked in. I'm like, you, you what whatever, you whoever, like, name this thing. You got me. Like that good call because I'm like me. Like I gotta know what this is. <laughs> so it's set in the San Fernando Valley outside of L.A. in the 70s, and there was a chain of record stores around then called Licorice Pizza because a record looks like Licorice Pizza. Uh, okay. I, I do think some of you guys are gonna bounce off it because it is, um, not exactly a linear narrative it's just sort of like different pieces taken out of time and just kind of like it's going to do this thing for 20 minutes and then it goes and does something else it's the same main characters but it's just like 
maybe it's a year in time. Maybe it's just like a couple months mm. and you just like pick up with them and you understand that circumstances have changed off screen or whatever. Yeah, I think I'm just cool. in a good it's mindset nice. for the Oscars this year because last year was pretty fire. So I'm like, I'm a lot more open to just jump right in. We're back at the Dolby Theater, not at a train station this year. So it should feel a lot more normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They were at a, they were indeed at a train station last year. It's a weird, it's a weird venue. Um, one other thing I should mention, Steven Soderbergh produced the much hated Oscars from last year that I loved because they were so weird. Most people did it. Um, he produced it. He's, I guess it's him that chose for it. Like, let's do train station. Train station sounds good. Um, he had a new movie come out this week called Kimmy. It's on HBO max. It is one in now a series of movies that he's put out on HBO max that are released with little to no fanfare. Despite the fact that he is a major uh, director, we recovered contagion by him already on the podcast. He's, I think, the last director to be nominated for best director twice in the same year. Um, this one's him trying to do some genre stuff. So I don't know. It'll be fun. I'm probably not going to be like, oh, it's like a new Ocean's Eleven, but it'll probably be good anyway. Yeah, he makes cool stuff. Contagion, you know Contagion. I do know Contagion. I hope so. We did an episode. That one, on yeah, it. and then it happened in real life too. It did. It did happen. Yeah, ten years later, it was oddly prescient. That's yeah. what we talked about in the episode. I'm glad you guys listened. <laughs> I only uh, listen to myself hold, talk because I'm kind of conceited. Hold that thinly veiled insult for one second. <laughs> Good transition. Who wants to give us a minute? I guess it has to be Robbie, but. We've kind of been breaking from it. Always has to be the person who hasn't seen it. Um, so if you don't feel like it, you don't have to. I can do it. Okay. Pop goes my heart. Done. <laughs> All right. You saved 59 seconds. Right. Not bad. So there's this guy. He is a songwriter. Well, I guess he's a musician. He's not really a songwriter because Drew Bar- Barrymore is a songwriter. But he uh, has his regular plant lady out. So this random ass bitch comes to water plants, I guess. Although I don't think she's ever watered a plant in her life. That's besides the point. Natural born lyricist, though. So that's good. So she helps him out and they uh, make a good song together for a very vapid pop star. But, uh, you know, there's a turn. There's some disagreement of like what the song should be. Should it be like a heartful, soulful thing or should it be like a, a catchy give me pop song? So they uh, fight about it. They split up. She leaves for a bit he kind of stays along tries to do his own little thing and uh you know eventually writes a better song kind of gets it through this girl's head that like he loves her and she goes along with that and then um you know they get back together they become successful songwriters i don't know it's not really that much in the movie i feel like i said that's quite a bit good you did in about 50 seconds um and bonus points for the use of the word vapid (laughs) (laughs) vapid indeed so yeah your main characters are played by hugh grant's and Drew Barrymore, Hugh Grant, are really the peak of his in rom in like a rom com every year stage. Mm. Uh, Drew Barrymore also doing a lot of rom coms yeah. at this National time. National treasure, Drew Barrymore. National treasure. Uh, Brad Garrett's in there as um, Hugh Hugh Grant's manager. Uh, that's this Haley Bennett's playing Cora, the vapid pop star that Robbie mentioned. I love Cora. Yeah, she's she's uh, nineteen at the time and. Um, is now starring in the about to come out, or maybe it has. It got nominated for Oscars. Uh, Cyrano, she plays Roxanne in the new Cyrano opposite Peter Dinklage. Um, oh, okay. I knew she was in some with Peter oh. Dinklage. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Johnson from Third Rock from the Sun plays her uh, Drew Barrymore's sister, who's also very funny. Yeah. Those, those, are, the, cast. those are the main people who like actually have mentionable lines. Hmm. Her husband has a couple funny parts, but... <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like I've seen him in things as that exact same character. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, immediate thought. Last one we did, Sleepless in Seattle. More Rom than Com. More Com than Rom. And that's okay. that's where I like to be in, in, in this world right here. More Com than Rom. Yeah, this is more Com than Rom. You have yeah. to with, with Hugh Grant just doing like his whole... His whole shtick. I don't think he has more than one serious line in a row. (laughs) Like every other line he says is like a one-liner or some really sarcastic thing. I would just love if he followed me around while I do my normal shit tornado thing and just said quippy (laughs) one-liners while cleaning up my messes. It would just be such a perfect relationship. Yeah, It's like if he didn't have a British accent, it would be like just over the line into kind of patronizing and condescending. (laughs) Yes. But with the British accent, you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're just adorable. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's much more palatable. Yeah. yeah, it's much more palatable. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, I don't know if there's anything we really need to focus on, like, big picture-wise with this. So, I will say, so my big picture thing, yeah. I absolutely loved throughout the entire movie the portrayal of Korra because it was just such a, a meta moment to me of, like, you guys put this together and it's kind of like... Victor Frankenstein making a big movie about how horrible his monster is. And it's like, oh, oh, is the point that this pop star is so like superficial and consumed with fa- like, who do you think made her? Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just, you can throw rocks at a mirror as much as you want, but the mirror is just a broken mirror. Like you're going to see a reflection just the same. I, I, so this is written by and directed by Mark Lawrence, who I guess ruined the music industry. Is that what you're saying? Oh, did no, no, no. I'm just like, you're a producer. You're part of the Hollywood machine. And oh, you're sure. making a movie about like how vapid and superficial pop stars are. But like you made the pop stars. Well, that's the music industry. The movie industry is very different. Very, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> she made music. Oh, she wasn't in a movie. Very right. Different. I'm sorry. That's where I got across. That's that's where the reflection I comes in. love that character, Cora, in this. And I think it's because... She's supposed to be, you know, over the top, like this exaggerated pop star, but she's really not that exaggerated. <laughs> like every now and then they, she'll do something like someone want to do that. And I'm like, but would they <laughs> nope. not do that? No, they would. They would. I uh, my first note of uh, like the Buddhist thing is like, this is so offensive to fake Buddhists because Buddhists won't care. Like they absolutely <laughs> will not Buddhist. care. Like that would not bother a Buddhist whatsoever because this is not part of their religion. But someone who identifies as a Buddhist could be very offended by that. So I thought it was a perfect like yeah. pick for like what to use. Yeah, the fact that the first song There's... we hear her singing is a Buddhist delight, or I got to get my Buddhist, Buddhist delight. delight. <laughs> Jesus. And then when she performs it on stage later, she starts by like dry humping this guy in like this Buddhist monk outfit. I'm like dying. I can't that's, even. That's exactly where the note came in. I was like, man, if Buddhists weren't so chill, this would be very offensive. <laughs> well, like, and that's the thing. Like, wow, this is so over the top. And I'm like, but then you think about some of the stuff that you see like pop stars actually doing. You're like, Hmm. If this movie didn't already hadn't already done this, someone else might have. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that that kind of applies to the whole movie is that it's just like a little bit heightened, but not not too much, but like a little bit. Especially Drew Barrymore's character, Sophie, her characterization that's just very strange. So what is her job? Would she you say works at that like? She works weight at her sister's place. weight loss place? Okay. Because yeah. they inherited it from the mom, they said. 
so right, like it's yeah. it's the it's a family. It really thing. seems more like her sister's thing. <laughs> it's definitely more her sister's. Yeah. Thing. Who hired her to water flowers? Who did? She that? had a friend who like couldn't make it. Yeah, they never. She's bad at bad it. Bad judgment fine. on that friend's <sighs> yeah. part. Horrible. But. but like the the characterization that, that's weird with her is that she just sort of jumps around because in the first scene she's like a super hypochondriac and that never comes back. Again. Does not come back. Never. Um, it's like she like excuses herself because she gets like a, a basically a pinprick from a cactus. And she has to leave the room, and it it doesn't come up again. That's, <laughs> no, that's so. My second note was she asked how you where how do you water the plants, and I was like you just you just water them, and then apparently she touches them too. Like it's a cactus woman. Like don't don't touch the cat. Have you seen a plant? <laughs> <laughs> That one's plastic. <laughs> that one's plastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, she's not good at watering plants. I have very so many the weird notes thing about is her being like, bad at the plants. <laughs> why does she keep doing it though? After she gets like the the next invite back, she still like waters his plants when she's at his house, even the ones that like she doesn't pay attention to and she tries to. Well, kill someone's got to water him, right? Well, yeah, but it's what's, yeah, how Hugh far? fucking Grant. He has like six plants. Why do you need someone to water them? So he hired well, somebody to do Brad it. Garrett asked him that. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, he asked him like why, like why you have the plants in general. Oh, okay. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it makes women comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said he's like, yeah, I was with this woman once who said that plants make women comfortable, so I got plants. Mm. Obvious plant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so. Writer director Mark Lawrence. Um, he writes and directs four Hugh Grant rom coms. Uh, he wrote the two Miss Congeniality movies and a couple other things, but those those are the main points. Before this, with Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant, he writes and directs Two Week Notice. This is his second of the four Hugh Grant rom coms that he writes and directs. Um, there's no particular like <laughs> like interesting directorial stuff. I think too much with this movie. It's, it sounds like I'm shooting on it. I'm not. I'm just saying, you know. It is um, it's a very typical rom-com. Yeah, I think it is an above-replacement level rom-com, but basically hits all the same beats with just a little bit of weirdness with Drew Barrymore's whole deal. Um, <laughs> I like that the relationship is built around them sort of working together. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty unique, I think. When it comes to rom yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I feel like you usually either have two people who start off as just like friends or absolutely hate each other. And I don't like rom-coms as much when it's like two people who hate each other. Mm. I, it just feels a little weird to me. Like, I, I don't know that that never does it for me as much in a rom-com. I don't want them to just hate each other. It's just weird. And yeah. they go the other way with this one. You know what I mean? So I always like that a little bit better. Me too. Me too. Yeah. They basically hit it off from the beginning. I think I also just like the concept of this one where he's like a washed up, pop star it's really fun because just like the idea of like they get to have a lot of fun with that and so mm-hmm. does Grant. especially like for our age range too where we had all these like either pop stars or we had a lot of the boy bands <laughs> where you're like well what happened to them kind of thing and they're you know, still playing my little sister loves them <laughs> the ones that were around for us though all time yeah, low I, american all american rejects no like, i'm talking about you. one one decade before that. one like decade Backstreet before boys that. insane and oh, i feel like no, those no. kind of oh like, yeah what the fuck happened to them i feel like in the last like five <laughs> years you heard a little bit more about what's like happened with them and stuff but yeah like 
you know, they just kind of fade away kind of thing. And you're like, well, what do they do? And, like, you wonder a lot of times, you don't know a lot about, like, how the music industry works. Backstreet like, is like, not oh, back. Yeah. We, know, we know what Justin Timberlake's doing, but do you remember the other people in NSYNC? <laughs> oh, yeah. he's, uh, he's the bass on the wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you always yeah. wonder, like, you know, do they still have money? Like, what's happening? And then you see, like, you get to Oh, like, NSYNC has no money because they never got any money. I've heard that, yeah. Backstreet Boys didn't get any money. I don't know about NSYNC. They had the same manager. Okay, yeah. then both of them, then. Yep. So but Backstreet kind of Boys is doing like, okay now because they got back together and they're they're touring. Yeah. Backstreet is back. Backstreet All right. Back. Yeah, they've, right. they've they've been touring. They tour <laughs> pretty regularly because they got nothing else. To do. That was they they mentioned in this movie. They were like, oh, you know, like people coming back is is in. Like there's a Spice Girls reunion. Yeah. It's like yeah, the, the Backstreet Boys touring. are back. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it was interesting to like follow him and like yeah, you know, it, it's it's great. Is starting with his like music video is really funny too because like they're like that music video just kills me it's too because I'm like funny. this is like this could have been an eighties music video you know what I mean all, it's all just the a little over the top all yeah. the songs in the movie slap <laughs> they're so heart good is a banger I love that so good <laughs> so yeah this is a good time to talk about it, it starts with uh, like the most thing that I remembered about this movie is obviously pop goes my heart yeah um and that it starts with the video that goes into that thing and. Then at the end of the end credits is a pop up video parody with that uh, music video. The music video is so good. Um, yeah, it is exactly. You know, the premise is that it's basically Wham, and the other guy, not Hugh Grant, becomes George Michael, and yep. Hugh Grant's just some guy that was in Wham. <laughs> Did not um, realize that was. <laughs> yeah, a, a uh, yeah. George Michael like. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the other guys goes on to be legitimately a huge star for the rest of time says you know yeah apparently but i love them mentioning all the stuff he does too and he's got his own cologne the whiff of colin, whiff of colin. <laughs> yeah colin. as soon as i yeah, as, as soon as i saw that i was like yes absolutely somebody's done that that's the thing and the the like the production on that montage thing is like oh, that's exactly how tv was at that yeah, time all yeah. i could think of is yeah. like I, I could like capture like the graininess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even like the little outro where they do it with like the little pop ups to like yeah. finish the movie essentially. Both of those, I was like, I could picture seeing this on like MTV when I was like a kid and didn't go to school one day. You know yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. The one over the outro is explicitly a parody of pop up video, which I don't know if you guys remember, but that's 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 pop up so, video. Yeah. yeah. I think even by 2007. When this movie came out, I don't know if we've said that yet. That was pretty much just about done. But I remember growing up watching a lot of pop-up video. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that the kind of twist is that it's all these 80s people and it's Battle of the 80s has-beens <laughs> that he's in a conference room trying to sell them on. And it's just uh, basically celebrity deathmatch, but just... <laughs> 80s musicians. Okay. Yes. And take Flock of Seals. Yeah. <laughs> take Flock of Seals. We toured with them once and we kicked their ass every night. And I love how it keeps coming back throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you see Battles of the 80s Asmans? That Debbie Gibson can, can uh, take a punch. But, yeah, so when they first presented that Debbie Gibson, I didn't like put to, like it didn't seem like it was segregated by gender. But I was like, are they just, they're just having the 80s Bob stars go at it? Like Debbie Gibson had to take on Flock of Seagulls? Like, yes, <laughs> but they. Yeah. I feel yeah. like later yeah. on they made it clear that it was like there was two women fighting each other on it. So I think they did, did segregate. I, I wasn't sure even by they, the end that so there was segregation. By, by the end, they had one on the TV, and it was two female pop singers from the '80s boxing. So like, I assume that like, but it really didn't come across that way at first. Yeah, 
Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Like you said, the fact that it just kept coming back, like, I really liked all the calm in this I would rom-com. watch Battles of the 80s. I, yeah, I would definitely watch Battle of the 80s. I, I would too, for yeah. sure. Now? I don't Maybe know. Maybe 90s. Death match. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's just so funny that this is movie came out 15 years ago. And, um, I think if you show this to kids today, you'd really have to explain what a record store is because they're in a huge tower records in New York. That was, <laughs> um, between when they filmed that scene and the movie came out, that record store closed. Um, every, every tower record store closed. Um, so, wow. and I also think like, it's really just like a sign of the times that kids will not understand that he is, He's so upset and embarrassed that his record's on sale for nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have terrible news for musicians and compensation today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, uh, a million times you're going right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, need to have like I think like ten million plays to make nine ninety nine on Spotify right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned the music before, so I should also mention that the music in this movie is by Adam Schlesinger. Um, Unfortunately, he just passed away, I think, last year from COVID. He was only in his 50s, maybe. Um, and he is the songwriter and the bass player for Founds Wayne and also got a couple Emmys throughout his career. He worked on uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and uh, won a couple Emmys for that and is just an amazing songwriter. He did the music for uh, That Thing You Do. You probably haven't seen the movie, but you'd probably recognize that song. Um, and also Fountains Wayne, a super underrated band. He's like a, Fountains Wayne. He is a wonderful songwriter. They, they do not have a bad album. So start anywhere if you want to jump into them. Um, or start yeah. with his music from this movie. Yeah. It's, it's funny it's when fire. I was thinking, I was like, somebody had to compose this music. And then I was hoping that like, it was the same story that like them <laughs> putting the story together, but like, you, you know what I mean? I did wait till the end to watch the credits and Hugh Grant did perform those I songs. Saw, yep. I said the same we, we thing. We did the same thing. Yeah. Yep. yep. He did, yeah. And Drew Barrymore sang her little part, too. So. Yep. Uh, some of the lyrics are by the guy who wrote it, Mark uh, Lawrence. Is that what his name was? And some and of the lyrics... plant lady come in. And <laughs> <laughs> and some of the lyrics are also by his son, um, who I think was like 12 or 13 that, at the time that he wrote them, because whatever, there were no rules back then for movie making. But yeah, Hugh Grant does his own songs. I think it's pre-recorded. He's not like doing it live in the concert scenes, but it still sounds pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed this, it. The scene I where he's all, all the music was. I can I considered downloading the the last song. I was like, oh, I like Buddhist this light. One. Buddhist light. No, what was the? <laughs> I, I have a note. Says this song slaps. Way back into love. Yeah, it's kind of what the movie ends on. The the main one. The way back into my heart. Yeah. Oh, way back, way into, back love. into love. Way back into love. Yeah. I like oh, way that. back into love. Good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And pop goes my heart is great. Pop yeah. goes my heart is the uh, one he writes forever. too for uh, Drew Barrymore's character is really nice too. Is. Oh, I like Love Autopsy. Love Autopsy is really fun. Rhymed you and me with autopsy. No, no, you can make that work. Not necessarily bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, just good stuff. Yeah, honestly, it was. I really like Hugh Grant's character. Like the his like sarcasm that he like throws out. Just it just really vibes with me. It kills me every single time. And it's literally every other line is just not, like Have sarcastic. You seen two weeks notice. I don't think so. I feel like he's like almost the same character in two weeks notice. Yep. Same would, brighter directors. So. Yeah. He's a little, out, I yeah, think, a couple years yeah. before. He's a little bit like less likable in two weeks notice, I think, but, um, and he's Sandra Bullock's boss in that one. Yeah. So it's a little more fraught relationship wise too. Mm. <laughs> they start off hating each other too. So you yeah, I don't like that as much. Yeah. I really liked, um, 
Alex, like uh, Hugh Grant's character and the manager. I already forgot the manager's name. It's, uh, oh, it's Bob from Everybody Loves Raymond. Brad Garrett, yeah. yeah I forget his character's name. Chris? I just knew him as Ray Romano's older brother. I yes. think, I think his time. name is Chris. The manager's name is Chris. But yeah, I liked their relationship a lot. I like when they go through their... He's like, do you want to do pros and cons? <laughs> pros, huge amount of money. Cons, you'll eventually... Or you'll, you'll eventually in 40 die years. Yeah. <laughs> in 40 years, we'll both be dead and none of this actually matters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so huge amount of money versus eventual death. <laughs> uh, excuse me, can you uh, come to the bathroom with me? It's okay, he's a good guy. <laughs> And she leaves and he's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> That's a very Fuck. funny scene. One thing I did want to ask you guys. Um, so we're talking about a scene where um, Sophie and Alex, Hugh Grant and uh, Drew Barrymore are out at dinner with Brad Garrett and his wife. And Drew Barrymore sees this guy that we haven't mentioned yet. This plot that is oh. perhaps not necessary. <laughs> um, her college professor that she worked with stole basically her life story and turned it into like this weird soapy kind Deep of like life. psycho stalker thing. Um, and then like became a hugely successful author with that story. Anyway, he shows up at the restaurant that they're having dinner at and she kind of freaks out. And uh, Hugh Grant's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta, you know, tell him how you feel finally. And then that's when he goes and gets Brad Garrett's wife. So she can change into that lady's dress, uh, which does fit differently to her, as she notes. <laughs> and uh, so my question to you guys is, is that a good therapist? Because Brad Garrett's wife is a therapist and she's like, you know what? You should walk over to that guy and make a huge scene in public <laughs> about this thing that like you haven't been able to let go of for years. I think she says that she's not a good therapist. Yeah, though. she says, wow, well, <laughs> after all these years of therapy, I finally actually helped somebody. And she said, Did she? Well, she said it just from giving her the dress. Like I, oh, yeah, just the dress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the public thing makes it bad, but it's, it's good to confront somebody that bothers you because I, I mean, I think her job as a therapist would probably be to be like, I, I don't know, is, is Slade's an asshole in the movie, but like, is him taking their story and twisting it to write a book really a villainous thing? Like, that's what authors do every day, all, all the time. Like, she identified with that character. It wasn't named after her. She she did that. My thought was that yeah. he did this to like get uh, out of the the trouble with the wife uh, right? the trouble with the wife that's why i thought it was like oh he's a, a bad dude it's, that, that was yes. kind of the line for me as yeah. well as like if this was part of the lie to the wife yes but like if he's just taking something that happened in his life and turning it into a different story that's all right <laughs> yeah yeah well that's basically what hugh grant's telling her when she's running down like all the things that he took she's like well yeah that could be like anybody and she's like and uh, the character runs a health business with her sister that their mom left them when she died. It's like, okay, well, that is really specific. That was oddly specific. I was he was a good artist. Yeah. And she's mostly hung up on, like, he's, he calls her a bad writer, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that, like, shakes her confidence. I'm just saying, I think the therapist might encourage you to be like, Maybe you don't have anything to prove to this guy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Maybe write a letter and send it in a week if you still feel that yeah, way. Draft, Maybe so. she was banking on that. Like, oh, this is going to be bad for her and she's going to need a therapist. Like, here's my car. That's true. <laughs> she, she might be like, you know what? I don't work off hours. I'm not telling you yeah. what to do with your life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a new client out of this. You're not You're not paying me for this shit. So, yeah, take the dress. Good luck. Uh, that's what Pat I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 
Um, that first scene that Hugh Grant's performing in the ballroom of all, you know, middle-aged moms. Good scene. Good, good scene. scene. Yes. So funny. And I like he's having such a good time. He's having a good time. They're all like screaming every now and then they show like the background. And all the guys are just sitting at tables like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, yeah, we're like Yeah, they're all like rolling their eyes in the background <laughs> and shit. Yeah. And I, I did like that too, because like, I don't know. It kind of like evolves where it keeps showing his shows and they're kind of like worse and worse. And you do like hit a point where you're like kind of feeling bad. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, this is like kind of like almost awkward how like sad this is, especially when he's at like the carnival or whatever. And then fucking Drew Barrymore is telling him about how he should be proud to sing his songs, how good they are. And I'm just like, man, Drew Barrymore, you are a fucking treasure. Look at you. Like (laughs) you're just the best. This is garbage. (laughs) And I feel like the character that Brad Garrett's playing normally would be sort of like wary of this woman coming in and kind of like inserting herself into this guy's professional life. That's his client. But he's mostly just like happy to have her there. Yeah. Which I feel like is really nice. Yeah. They had the, they had the songwriter play that part instead, you know, like the one that she took the job from because he's not there a ton, but like, especially at the end where they're playing the song and he's just like head back in the crowd. Like that that guy was pretty funny. He was. Greg, I want to say his name was. He's got to go back to his yeah, job he's at Hallmark. He's, 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 yeah. he's playing the Greg archetype. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got to go back to his job at Hallmark. I think he refers to him as the angel of death. Yes, <laughs> Greg the angel of death. Yes. yes. Uh, song was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine it was not supposed to be sung like that. <laughs> you know, I imagine it was like a, you know. Supposed to be more Heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. One thing that is really interesting about this, and and yeah, the only thing that's interesting about this movie, uh, well, I definitely didn't, wouldn't have picked up on this at the time, but there's a lot of weirdly specific theme park content and jokes in this. They mentioned Knott's Berry Farm so many times. The movie takes place, I think, entirely in New York and a little bit in Long Island. And Knott's Berry Farm is in California, and they just don't stop talking about it. Mm. Um, and like the big thing is like, they don't want him anymore. And he's like, I got to get more dates at Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> um, and, uh, something I wouldn't have picked up on then, but now I'm, you know, there's some very good podcasts about theme park nerdery. The best one's called, uh, podcast, the ride. I shout out blank check a lot. So I'll also mention podcast, the ride. Why not? As another podcast I really like and listen to. That's a very funny podcast hosted by three dudes who, are all like trained improv guys who just talk about theme park shit. Anyway, Adventureland, where he performs in this, is in Long Island. And there's no reason for them to be that specific or use real theme park names. And it's just kind of weird to me that they do. And Adventureland literally is in Long Island and was, in case you're wondering, the inspiration for the movie Adventureland that uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart are in. Okay. I was wondering. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In In that movie, it's in like, Pennsylvania or something, but it's based on the writer of that movie's childhood memories of growing up in Long Island and going to that adventure land. Hmm. Anyway, all this to say, I find it really strange that they like specifically name these different theme parks. Is there something with Knott's Berry Farm though? Not really. That's, That's the thing is like, I don't know why they're, they mentioned great adventure also, which is a six flags theme park in New Jersey. Um, so it's just kind of weird to me that they wouldn't just use like sort of like a catch-all term for these different things that he's playing because they say like Disney the World. Yeah, they yeah. do like Disney the World whatever like the state fair. Yeah, or was whatever. it Bush Gardens? Was the other one that was his big one? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like yes. yeah. Well, this I think other staple. Yes. I think it's my thought, yeah. and I don't I just, know. I just feel like in movies like this, they usually <laughs> the apple use picking fake names. Is a go. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe it's just to, I have no idea why. It is a good question. I get the theme park thing because like you, it, he's washed up, so it's like this is the it, his like dream is better theme parks is like the big accomplishment. Well, yeah. when he was at Adventureland, I like literally just like superimposed him to like downtown Six Flags New England that we've been yeah. to all because yeah, it yeah, fit yeah. in so like, well. That's exactly Lake what park. it looks like. Yeah, can't be like yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Um. So yeah, it just really struck me as odd. It's like why are you taking the time to like mention several real places well, I almost when you could just be like, like you know Superland or whatever and people would understand the short end maybe they just weren't creative saying. enough to come up with a convincing maybe. theme park name it's just <laughs> someone really into Knott's Berry Farm on staff I kind of wonder now too like of all the times we've been to Six Flags if there was like a washed up 80s singer <laughs> singing you there even know. that we never even know like we it's Quite especially often. if they didn't like <laughs> announce themselves, like any of those singers could have absolutely been members of any '80s band. Yeah. I would have no clue. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Huh? This I, is really really off topic, but remember our senior trip? We went to Six Flags. Yes, there was this guy there that Greg and I still talk about to this day, who worked at Six Flags. And when we were going to go and have lunch there, his job was to stand. Maybe it was about 100 yards away from where the food was on this bridge. And he had to tell people, <laughs> <"It's>, <laughs> it smells really bad here, but it doesn't smell near the food. I still remember that. This is Joe? This is Joe? Like, he was just posted all day. And we, were, he, we heard him tell multiple people. I'm like, yeah, I know we, we know it smells really bad over here, but it doesn't over there. I feel like I'd come back with Why a piece of paper and a sharpie and just write what he said next to him and stick it to the bridge and then leave. <laughs> People were like upset because they were heading to lunch and it smelled real bad. And they were like, oh, I don't want to eat now. So he had to yeah. just keep telling people it didn't smell over there. <laughs> That's a fun job for, for an adult to have. <laughs> I mean, um, it might have been a teenager at that yeah, point. Yeah, it probably I don't was. Know, I but, mean, Six Flags oh. New England is all teenagers who do not care about their jobs. <laughs> One of them tried why. to kill me once. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I don't know. That's pretty off topic. <laughs> I, sorry, no, we yeah, talked about Six Flags New England. Weird jobs at Six Flags. <laughs> it was this one. Just standing out there in the you know <laughs> for hum, all, humid New England summer. For all you know, he was a washed up eighty star. <laughs> Could have yeah. been. That was a, he used to be in Wham. pants on a bridge. Yeah, that guy used to be in Wham. Just a keyboardist in Duran Duran. Um, yeah, so where are they today? No. I wouldn't I even really know like Duran. <laughs> His job could have been a sign. I forget what. Um, and instead, Hugh he just had a, he had a stand where it smelt all day. I forget what it Hugh Grant right said. <laughs> you think he was having like a personal problem and he like looked for a really elaborate excuse? <laughs> like, guys, I know, I know. <laughs> It's terrible over away. here. Please keep walking. You're making me very self conscious. I mean, it'll be better over there. <laughs> I really liked in, uh, I think it was like right in the beginning. I don't remember if it's when he's talking to Sophie or his manager, but Hugh Grant says something like, Everything good I've ever done is in the past. Everything good I've ever done or ever will do is in the past. And that's fine. Yeah, it's when he's, he's, and I'm when okay he's with it. in the conference room with the uh, Battle of the 80s has oh, thing. Oh, that's what he's saying. And, he's, and he's like, they tell him, like, oh, you know, a lot of them have had 
difficulty with the term has been. He's oh, like, yeah. no, I love being a has I'm a happy has been. <laughs> I like on that, I think, uh, I forgot what Drew Barrymore said. Something of like, oh, I, I'm afraid I've messed everything up. And his, her sister goes, how unusual for you. <laughs> I just wrote based. <laughs> <laughs> It was um, also funny. Man, every line in this movie was just fun. What is uh what is she when the, the sister meets Hugh Grant's character and she's asking for like trying to talk to me with the autograph, I think he says something like, Oh, are you married? And she goes, Only for sixteen years, but nothing set in stone. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And she's trying to get the picture with him and she's like, Somebody could have sculpted oh, us in this yeah, time. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this. Let me take it. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, Drew Barrymore needs to leave rooms very quickly all the time in this movie. Yeah. That's kind of her thing. Yeah. Know what her thing is in this movie that I absolutely love him is her putting the stuff on the piano. Because <laughs> yeah, it happens like three or four times where she's like putting all her shit down one at a time on this piano and he's just sitting there like taking it off the piano. That, that's why I was like, I wish I had a Hugh Grant to just follow me around. And like, just I just throw things everywhere and Hugh Grant just puts them where they should go. <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, you, know, you know, it was a nice touch, though, how like he complained that she came in and like moved all the furniture around and stuff. But when she was gone, he couldn't move the furniture back because it was too heavy and he needed her there to put it back. Mm-hmm. I like that, too. <laughs> yeah, touch. it was, was nice. It was. It's just. They, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm glad also, they didn't try to make him super masculine. Like even when he was trying to fight the guy in the yeah. restaurant, I just I was like, this is, this is sad. This yes. Is sad. Make a lot of jokes about how tight his pants are. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, what does he yeah, say? Yeah. He says, "My it helps my blood flow to my heart." <laughs> <laughs> Pop goes his heart. Yeah, mm. I really like too that they keep having like this reoccurring thing about the hip problems <laughs> <laughs> because of the the patented pop dance move or whatever. <laughs> I'm really sad that all the podcast listeners are gonna miss my patented Nick. I keep doing. I'm like that weird like thrust with the weird wrist twist. Yeah, wrist move. He yeah, does. Everyone's uncomfortable. Move. Yeah, I was doing it all day today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing it like around my house and stuff. I like dance around, do the little like hip hop thing. <laughs> Would you even be a dad if you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> what does he say about it when he's complaining that his hips hurt now he says um my god i've suffered for my art he's <laughs> <laughs> oh. very good man i wish i was friends with this character <laughs> i know right I, I like that he has as he sometimes does a little bit more edge in this movie um i like that mm-hmm. i like him in this mode yeah, yeah i think he's just full jerk in bridget jones and like kind of almost full jerk in American Dreams with a Z. And um, sometimes he's just like like a good dude. And I, I don't know. It doesn't work as well. I think this kind of like prickishness that he has in this movie is is really good. I don't think I've seen that many Hugh Grant movies. Yeah, I think yeah, he's, <laughs> I really like his character in this one. Because he really isn't mean. He says a lot of like kind of rudish, sarcastic things. But the way he delivers them, they don't really come off as that rude. And a lot of times he like fires them back at himself like, right away you know what i mean so mm. like um yeah. he says something about her and how she is hiding behind that like sally michaels book character and stuff and he says something i know i have a very powerful insight or something like that he says i'd look at myself but i know there's nothing wrong with me so i don't need to <laughs> <laughs> yeah he said i'd use it on myself but yeah. i have no problems yes, i have no problems <laughs> so like every time he does say something that like is almost rude he like follows up with something you're like oh okay and like I don't know. I like it better with rom-com where like all the characters are just great. I love them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even they're like typical, like, I don't know what you call it in a rom-com that 
part they have to have where they like split apart. Yep. It wasn't that bad in this one. You know, he says something kind of mean and kind of rude to her, but at least they're like, they're under a lot of pressure at the time too. And like he immediately goes and apologizes, but like, you know what I mean? It's it could have been way worse. I do feel a little I did feel pretty strongly about that part actually cuz he did he said the book was right about you and that's one of those phrases that I don't think her as an actual person not as a movie character would ever really be able to get out of her head. Like that's mm. a really deep cutting and it's one of those things that can happen in any kind of fight I guess, but that was just I think it's cuz he follows it up though with something like the things he says the book is right about her Aren't okay, like aren't, aren't the th- same things that, that she, she thinks. Okay, okay. It, it's because it's not like the book was right about you. You're a bad writer. It's like the book was right about you. Like you're afraid to do these do these things, which were common character. Fl- okay, okay. So I that's like that. why I was like, oh, it's not as bad. It could have been a lot worse. It could have. It, it could have been a lot worse. You were just using me to get rich too, or whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. he didn't accuse her of like the bad things. It was like you know these. The, the, there are a lot of things uh, he just said like that is true, but they were like. It was almost like when a job interview asked you your biggest weakness. It exactly. was like, it's right about you. And it's like, you are too, you bra- like, you're not brave enough to know like how good you are at all these things or something, basically, is how he said it. And I was like, I, oh, I, I see what you're saying. That's true. It's true. They're, they're, he more pointed out her things that she needs to overcome to become a better person than like the horrible things that Granted, I knew it was coming and still the whole time, like, I'm like, oh, man. I'm having a good. It's a good like, ride oh, so far. Yeah, I don't want this. To come. I, I, just, want I wanted to get off at the amusement park. That was when I I messaged yeah. the group. I was like, all right, this is good. This is a perfect movie. Down. Hour and five minutes in, we're good. Twice in my notes, I wrote down that Drew Barrymore is a treasure, and I definitely wrote down Hugh Grant is not a treasure after really? what he's done to Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. <laughs> I can't forgive him for this. Uh, uh, I, I was going to say, I think the other thing too is it's not as bad what he said to her. I think she would be able to get over it because she's like growing as a person because she was. So upset about it because she wasn't confident in her writing. Okay. And now she's writing hip hop songs. And, you know, he's kind of like helped her see that what she's doing is really good and really important. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes some people need to hear the tough shit. Yeah. I like their little like twist in the end, too, when they're at the Cora concert and they come out to sing the song. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, music and lyrics by Alex Fletcher. And they're like, what the fuck? Every, I've seen this movie so many times that every time I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, like it stinks. <laughs> like, oh, no. Especially, too, because like that's what happened with, what's his name? Phil, I think, the the main guy from Pop. Alex oh, says he, he steals his, like, the last three songs they write together. Oh, and yeah. that's what makes his solo album. Oh. Like him. Yeah. Colin, him, right? I Colin, missed that yeah. part. Okay. Yeah, he says Colin runs off to, like, make yeah. a solo album. And he steals the last three songs they wrote together. Uh... Um, So then, like, he steals, they, she thinks he stole her song now. Um, But I like that little And with twist. it, he stole his mojo. Because clearly, you could still write good songs. Yeah. Mm. But I did like that, too, because it, uh... Even because it, it gives a uh, Drew Barrymore excuse to leave, and then it puts her in that like hallway, and that seems real good, where she's like almost like crying yeah, coming down the, the aisle, aisle of, the con- yeah. of the concert, like watching him sing the song. And w- I'd be annoyed if there was a person standing in the aisle. I was kind of thinking like, that too. Yeah, keep, keep going. What <laughs> Some are you usher doing? would come yell at you. I think. <laughs> yeah, <know>? for sure. <laughs> like, hey, you can't just stand here, lady. The song is about me. Yeah, I know. Sure, it is. Yeah, yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah. You and every other girl at this concert. <laughs> she wasn't blocking anyone's view. <laughs> That whole like concert scene in the end, I couldn't help but think like this seemed like it was expensive because <laughs> it's like was, a legit like concert. Yeah, not actually at Madison Square Garden as it says on the outside of the building, but still in New York State. It's at Nassau Coliseum, which is in Long Island once again. Mm. 
Um, but it, uh, Nassau Coliseum posing as Madison Square Garden for this movie. Because there was like big props on the set and like a lot yeah, of extras. Like an actual, yeah, I was trying to figure and, like, out if that was from an actual concert. And That's then what they I was just thinking. Like, I was like, we're going to take 20 minutes and film this. You know? I was thinking that. I was like, I wonder if it was for an actual concert and they just stuck in the filming because... That's usually how they do that kind It would have been way cheaper. But, oh, do they do yeah. That giant Buddha statue, yeah. though. <laughs> the thing that threw me off was the giant Buddha statue. I was like, no one is using this for a concert. They just didn't <laughs> tell anyone it was fake singers. They were like, here's a concert. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked it when Cora starts singing and she immediately like, strips down to like naked and the mom's covering the daughter's eyes and the, the husband and the son are like... Like wicked into it. She's like, "Hey, he's like, we're just watching, just watching." Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I do love how, like, how what's the word? Like, she was mean to him or like bossy to him or whatever. But like, even with her, immediately after, like, when they were going to, like, okay, go, go. All right, I love you. I'm sorry. Go. You know, yeah. what I mean? like, you're a good man. You're a good man. I love you're, you. You're a good man. I love you. <laughs> when she's telling, it's like in the middle of the movie when they like hint at the fact that Hugh Grant's going to do something big like this when she's like, well, how do you know? And he's like, well, they do a gesture, you know, something, this this one big gesture that you know, like, they did this for you. And it's like, for me, it was when, uh, his, when he told his mother, I'm marrying her anyway. And she just goes, God, I hate that woman. It's like, I imagine you two have a deep, rich history. Yeah. Yeah. I'm marrying her anyway. So that's a good segue into talking about um, <clears throat> structurally. We've been talking about rom-coms overall and hitting certain formulas. So the sort of like 11th hour coming apart that then has to be repaired at the end with a grand gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fairly similar to the other Drew Barrymore movie we've done. Wedding singer. Mm. Yeah. That's more a miscommunication. And then a song based grand gesture at the end in front of a captive audience that didn't sign up for this. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so rom-com wise, how do you guys feel about this? Because I feel like it's pretty, we were saying standard feels like putting it down, but it is sort of just hitting the kind of normal beats with a little bit of a twist. It was was formulaic, but it was still good and enjoyable, you know? Yeah. That's. Yeah. I honestly think it might be my favorite rom-com. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's comfort food for me. You know, this is yeah. this is my comfort food movie, and I was really happy because I haven't watched it in so long. I really liked this movie in high school when it came out, and I feel like if I go and revisit some of my favorite high school movies, I'm like, ooh, hmm. this isn't this this didn't age well for me, but this one did. You know, I watched it. And I was like, no, this is still really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna be like that same like formulaic method, you just do it well, and they did mm-hmm. it fantastically. Yeah. You know, like that's that's fine. Like, go ahead. And it's got some good songs in it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. how I feel. Like, if I'm watching a rom com, I'm watching it for that formula. You yep. know, I know what I'm getting ahead of time, and I feel like there's like a, a comfort in that. Even it's like rewatching a, a show, but with rom coms, you can watch something new. And still get that feeling because you know how it's all going to go. You like know all the beats it's going to hit. Hallmark movies, like yep. yeah, you know all the beats it's going to hit, and there's like a comfort to that. So it's more rather than like trying to surprise me. It's you know putting a little bit of a twist on it. Nothing that's going to really throw me off, and then just hitting all the spots really well. And I feel like they do that, you know. Hmm. And that's basically the rap on it when it comes out from critics is that it's at worst perfectly pleasant, and a lot of people are like, yeah, this is you know it's a rom com, but. It has, you know, standout performance from Hugh Grant, Mm -hmm. especially he gets singled out and it's a really fun time, even if it's like it's not going to blow your mind with anything new in the genre, but it does a good job of 
doing what it's trying to accomplish. And uh, It's funny yeah. that came up because I just watched the Jurassic World trailer today and my first thought was... We should have talked about that. I'm going to see so many movies that I enjoy that are better than this. I don't know if I'll see a movie that I'm going to enjoy as much as this one. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of that movie. <laughs> it's, it's just insane to me that Chris Pratt gets to be on the same screen as uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern who can... Who are just some of the the best yeah. actors of the last, you know, 30, 40 years and and some of the really just grade A freaks of uh bizarre movies of the last few decades. And Chris Pratt's just like, you know, a a a, a big loaf of wonder bread. So I mean, yes. you know it's a little uh, harsh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I don't know. He's I'm gonna it's, enjoy it's whatever. the shit out of it. I do it's, not yeah, care. No, I was like, oh, <laughs> That's man. how I felt about the Spider-Man movie. Samuel's you know, I'm like, this isn't gonna be Oscar worthy. Samuel been in anything recently? Because like Lord yeah, is still kind of fucking time. crushing it. Samuel's actually in a lot of stuff. He just doesn't take huge parts anymore. Uh, um, and he's in smaller stuff. He's 74, he and old. he mostly lives on a vineyard in uh, Good New him. Zealand or Australia. That's nice. So yeah. he has to commute pretty far to get into a big Hollywood movie. But he is, he has been working a lot in TV recently, especially. I was gonna say, I feel like I haven't seen him in any big roles. I hope he's like, time. hey, anybody want to shoot on a vineyard? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Even his Wikipedia picture is just him in like a cardigan and a, and he's like looks very comfortably bearded. Uh, and he's just got a wine glass and he's just going uh, like that. Like, now, yeah, Sam Neill's just chilling. Good I just picture him now as the friend that lives too far away that no one wants to come visit. Yeah, quite <laughs> possibly. So he's he's like a working actor who's in a lot of great movies and then. When Jurassic Park hits and he becomes like a famous star, he's I think already in his forties at that point. Oh yeah. yeah. So he's like in his I think he's like forty five when Jurassic Park comes out. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like he's gonna make superhero movies. Well, how that, how old so. is Laura Dern? She's younger than that, I think. Because I feel like she I mean, I guess I oh, can't we have, think of what we have she the would, ability to check. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't think of what she's been in recently, but I feel like she hit uh, marriage story. Oh, you're right. I was gonna say I feel like she's still crushing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I don't Marriage see her Story in as much. she was in uh, Big Little Lies. She was one of the main characters in that show. Yeah, she's 55, so she's actually- Oh, she's quite a bit younger than him. Yeah. I I just assumed it was a 10-year age difference. I guess it was more like a 20-year age difference. Mm. Yeah, wow. So she must have been like late 20s when Jurassic Park came out. That makes their relationship in Jurassic Park a lot weirder. Yeah, Yeah, it does. It does. That podcast might be a little off the rails. (laughs) It's fine. We're still on good time. Anyway- um, so this is the second Drew Barrymore episode that we've done. The, the first one we're time the first time we've talked about a Hugh Grant movie. Um, and a quick programming note: we'll do another one next week. We're doing Notting Hill next week, so hmm. there you go. Now you know. <laughs> Hugh Grant was for a time like one of the most famous people and one of the most covered tabloid guys in Hollywood. Um, he's not. I wouldn't necessarily say like he's faded at this point. He's just you know well, he's older now. He's in his sixties or whatever. Um, he was just, I think he's been nominated for some TV stuff. He was in The Undoing, which people got really into in the last couple of years. And um, this is one of a few movies that he does some singing and dancing in. Also, Love Actually and Paddington 2. He's um, in Paddington 2? Oh, especially, that's why it showed up as related. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> he is the villain Granted. in Paddington 2. <laughs> He's the uh, villain in Paddington 2? Paddington 2 ends with a, a wonderful song and dance number by Hugh Grant. Paddington like has villains? Grant. Yeah. Oh, man. So no one here has seen Paddington 2. Okay. P2 is the core cultural text of our times. Okay. Apparently. So 
that's awesome to know that Hugh Grant's the villain is because when I was watching music and lyrics, the immediate thing I came like came to my mind is I love Drew Barrymore. I've seen a bunch of Drew Barrymore movies. Is she ever the villain? <laughs> because I we would we were talking to about a few episodes ago about Disney, how they're like new their new formula is like, is this the villain? Or like, oh, it's not really this person. This is the villain kind of thing. I want someone to fool me. Drew Barrymore ends up being the villain. I would never see it coming in a million years. Mm. <laughs> no, there's no way Drew Barrymore is a villain or anything. She can't be. Yeah, I just wanted to see nothing really comes up just from a, is Drew Barrymore a villain in anything? I'm, try, I'm trying to think of anything. That there's is. no way. I don't know. Well, you know, she's produced a lot of her own movies too, so she hasn't cast herself as a villain too often. Conceited. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's, you know, a, as we said last time in the Wedding Singer episode, we don't have to go too far into Drew again because we already did, but, you know, she's a child actor who had a lot of issues early on and came out the other side and seems to be one of the few genuinely good people that everyone in, like enjoys the company of in Hollywood. Unbelievable. Yeah. She's hiding something. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So Hugh Grant is this huge star <laughs> for a long time. And, um, uh, any like favorite Hugh Grant roles? Probably this, this one. one I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> is he the only one you haven't seen anything else by him? I don't think I so. I feel like I have, but I can't think Maybe of anything. So another one that's a little bit more rom than com is Four Weddings and a Funeral. That movie is really good, but didn't quite fit for this month, but it was one of the options, just so you mm. know the listener knows. Is there like what are what are his big other like other big name movies? Two weeks notice. Uh, no. You already said you Notting haven't seen Hill. Notting Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love Actually. Wait, did we just? No, I didn't do a podcast on that. He's done a lot of rom coms, huh? I didn't realize he was in so many rom coms. Love Actually. Well, he has so this familiar. His sort of like mumbling, charming yeah. thing is yeah. in that. Um, we mentioned before Bridget Jones Diary. No, nope. that's horrible. Um. <laughs> Is the reason I don't see him anymore is because they got rid of rom-coms? Oh, that could be it. They just killed his whole line of work. I mean, maybe. He is, (laughs) again. He has been in real life now. (laughs) Again, he's he's in his 60s and has been, you know, he is an Emmy Award nominated guy just in the last couple years. I feel like it's harder to be a rom-com star once you're in your 60s. Mm. Mm. Not impossible. Didn't stop Jack Nicholson. (laughs) He did it. Mm. Spoiler alert, guys. He has to go to the hospital again. You didn't listen to the podcast? I didn't yet, no. I did. I told you I'm behind. I'm like eight episodes behind at this point. I'm not eight episodes behind. I'm only a few. I've watched it's every only episode. only been eight episodes. It's not true. There's been like 22. But. <laughs> the last one I listened to was Groundhog Day. I, want I very much enjoyed it. Late to the movie yeah. super fan, Thank sure. You. <laughs> you know we sell t-shirts. No, I wanted to stay super fan on. All right, I'll put up a design that says super fan. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. You can check the T Public store for the super fan t shirt. says it has the normal logo, but the, it'll say super fan, and it'll have a picture of uh, Greg photoshopped onto Kermit. Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it costs more, obviously. And, yeah, and it costs more. Um, so, yeah, so Hugh Grant's a big star in like the late 90s, <laughs> mid 90s into like the early thousands. He's, he's like on top of the world. Hmm. Um, and that's the end of our Hugh Grant segment where we talked about everything but. <laughs> this was the end of the segment titled Granted. Granted. Hmm. <laughs> so overall rom-com month, we've been talking about romantic comedies. We already mentioned a little bit about the formulaicness. This is pretty much like the platonic ideal of a romantic comedy, I think, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. We did, you know, Something's Gotta Give, which is a weird version of a romantic comedy. Yes. Sleepless in Seattle, which is also a weird version of a romantic comedy. Yeah. This one, you just have to make like a couple qualifications. It's basically just what jobs they do and how they bond, which is over work, which is a cool twist on it. But it is pretty much just a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's good. I'd say that's a twist. I'd say that's just standard romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Know what I like in this one too? For their like them bonding, it is all over work. It's over the course of what, like three days or two days About or something. Three days. <laughs> yeah, it's all over like three days. I like that they show time passing by showing us the skyline and then like the the sunset or sunrise and with them like just chatting with each other like mm. over the thing. I liked yeah. those. So I mentioned before that there's not a lot to talk about in the direction, but that I did like. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. The like sort that. of interstitials with them talking and like working out the melody and it's just over the skylines and yeah. you know, oh, it no, was that, it was That part was them working out the lyrics. The melody came later. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> the um yeah, and I, I like that it wasn't just the same shots you always see of New York. It was like different parts of the skyline that it, Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, and it is it's just them like having conversation that isn't super important. It's just like to show them like kind of bonding and I, I like that a lot. Yeah. It was kind of fun that it only took place over like three days too, because like mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they were up the whole time. Like some of it was like the wee hours in the morning, and I feel like that's when you have like deep conversations with people. So I feel like it was it was it was fun. It was a fun vibe. I feel like if you spent three days talking to somebody throughout the night, you're gonna have a pretty decent bond. I did like that. And then them working through the night gave the opportunity for Drew Barrymore to sing funny lyrics about wanting breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I could be inspired with just a piece of bread. <laughs> I often feel similarly. One thing that like the working lets them do is have those two characters just be in a room together for a really long time. Um, it, it has, uh, I guess I keep deciding that maybe it, it's a little bit better made than I was giving credit to at the beginning, but it has this sort of um, vibe of them you can tell they're spending a lot of time just in this room together working this out, and the scenes go on a little bit longer than they usually do in movies like this, and uh, they're really bonding and talking together, and you get a lot of personality that way, and it's just these two characters being really charming, and you can see them bouncing off of each other and building on what the other one's doing, and you can you get why they can uh, decide that they're meant for each other after like two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I also like that it's interesting it's an interesting dynamic because he's that like washed up 80 star because he is to some people extremely famous Mm. like he's a icon to some people even Mm. any washed up like you said some random person from wham someone is their super fan you know what i mean yep a lot of someone's honestly i I thought it was funny i i always think about the relationship with the sister because like the first time what they met like she's just like you know gushing over this guy i'm like this is gonna be a long-term relationship like is that gonna be weird in the future (laughs) probably yeah (laughs) the last thing i know we mentioned it early in the beginning is the outro for this movie that like exit it's like it's it's like the perfect thing i want a rom-com Especially, too, because, like, I guess you know they get together in the end and, like, but you do want, like, a little bit of closure, especially in this one where there's, like, a few different things that are covered, you know, with, like, the author and, like, a couple of these, like, side characters and stuff. So, like, closing out with those little, like, 
where it looks like something you would see on on TV was like really good. That was the best review. <laughs> yeah, that was the best review. Them yes. talking about like Pop getting into the Hall of Fame and, and Colin like injuring his hip. That yeah. was good. I feel like I told you to write something down because you took the notes, but I can't remember what they were. So, oh, it was about the Rotten Tomatoes score because when we pulled it up to watch it, it showed like um, what critics thought and what audiences like, and it wasn't. It's not it, good. It wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's a pretty tepid response. People are just like, yeah, it's it's good. It's pleasant. It was like sixty three percent. Well, I feel like it should have a better rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I feel like it'd be tough to find someone who's like this movie. It's it's the best movie. It's my favorite movie. But I feel like it's also tough to find people who are just like, this movie's just bad. Yeah, so I think 63 is pretty fair. I, I just, well, I think... I thought just because of how, like, it works, yeah. where, like, you have to, in order for it to get a rotten, you have to be like, this is bad, right? It, it's just tough, too, with a rom-com, too. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one without a se- uh, over a 7, like, anywhere, like, over a 70%, mm-hmm. just because it's a rom-com, you know? That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, let's Let's talk about our own ratings in that case, since we're already on that tip. For um for music and lyrics as a rom com and then as a movie, what kind of ratings would you give this? You can do it out of five, you can do it out of ten, you can do it out of seven. I don't care. Hmm. I would lean higher for rom com than way higher. Yeah, yeah, way yeah, higher. yeah, definitely. We've been talking a lot about this. I think it's at least an eight as a rom com. Uh, yeah. Of I, like hitting those beats, maybe even closer to a nine. Yeah. I was gonna say I I, I could put Potentially give it a nine out of ten. I was a rom com. Like I said, I think my my favorite rom com. Yeah, I'm going like nine point five. I feel like as a wow. rom com, it hits everything that you want it to hit. Plus, I feel like the music kind of like puts it a little bit more the music over the top. Is yeah. awesome. It's really good music, which I feel like you're not really expecting. It's and true. um, I just smiled the whole time. It was really fun to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoyable I'd, experience. I'd, I'd give it an I give it a nine, and I'd say I definitely liked it over all of the other rom coms I've been on the podcast to talk about. So. Mm-hmm. As a movie, how did you guys feel about it? Mm-mm. Way lower. <laughs> That's a little bit harder to yeah, judge. It's, it's a yeah, lot harder to judge. Because more... it's hard to... Because you can't put this up against, like, you know... Silence the Lambs. Best yeah. Picture winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Silence yeah. the Lambs hard. and Spirited Away. Yeah. Because and... I would never say this is a bad movie, because it is a Unfortunately, very... Unfortunately, that is what I'm asking you to do. Yeah, I know. It's a very enjoyable watch, but if you want me to put it up against, like... Best pictures. And it doesn't have a ton of deep content. Five you know? out of ten, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's just a little Mank. guy. I don't want to hurt what? it. Compared to Mank. Oh, 12 out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give this twelve uh, Citizen Canes out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like compared to like all those other movies, you know, probably five out of ten, six out of ten. You know, it's it's a movie. Call me by your name. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, that one, yeah, it's ten out of ten now. I'll, I'll stick with Rotten Tomatoes. I'll give them the six point three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that's, probably around a six. Probably yeah. That's probably fair. Probably around a six. Yeah, I had a good time. But yeah, out of rom coms, nine. Yeah. yeah, it's everything you want in a rom com. Yeah. yeah, I think it's particularly good for me because I it's really my my ratio of com to rom that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Which is eighty five percent calm. Yeah. It's maybe the rom could have been a little bit more. It was really heavy on the calm, right? Yeah, that's what, how I yeah. like it. No, it is. Yeah, but I just mean as like a rom com. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It it doesn't have the right ratio of rom to calm for you. Yeah, they they focused a lot on the jokes, which was really fun. But I don't yeah, know I if they had like the chemistry. It's really. like Hugh Grant, and Drew Barrymore, and after this movie, Drew uh, Hugh Grant has said that he's pretty sure Drew Barrymore hates him. Oh. Um. And I think that's him deflecting because I think the 
what he's really saying is there. I think Drew Barrymore hates me because I was a real dick on set. <laughs> oh. Um, I believe is is what he really was implying with that. That's what he said in a few in a few interviews in a couple of years after this movie came out. Recently, he was on Drew Barrymore's show, her like web series. Um, so I guess they're cool now. Did not know that was. I think like in 2021, they she interviewed him for one of her shows. So I guess I guess they're cool now. He did say he regretted saying that after the fact because he thought that was pretty unfair way to characterize it. Wait, I'm. I don't know. I feel like he's more saying a comment on himself. Like, I feel like I was an yeah. asshole on set. And right, but he probably, didn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm saying I'm reading into it saying that that's probably why he thinks that. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Or that's probably would be is what actually happened. Why he would now be sort of deflecting be like, oh, I guess she hates me. Mm. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Drew Barrymore, famous Hollywood curmudgeon that <laughs> hates people. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Right. He was like, yeah, that story is probably not going to fly. So. Yeah. So this is a little addendum to uh, the end of this episode. We just thought maybe it'd be fun. Since Oscar nominees came out and we were talking about them, this being the first year that there's 10 Oscar nominees, not everyone's familiar with all these movies. There's, in fact, been a ton of talk this week about, uh, you know, from one of the James or Jimmys that host a late night show that they're not making enough populist choices and people don't know what these movies are. So I figured we'd go through a couple of these and see what my friends people who are into the Oscars know about these movies. Disclaimer, I think I know what one of these movies are. It's Dune is, I think, the only one I actually cool. know. I know Robbie's seen Dune. I have. If you yeah. want. Oh, and don't look up. Oh, Yeah, and don't look up. I know people, don't look up is... It's about... Um, asteroid, maybe? I, I don't know what most of these are. Uh, um, And it's going to be interesting, though, that we are doing this because this will be like the first year I go into the Oscars where I actually know a little bit about what these movies are. So it's really going to change how I do my picks on which movies I watch first, because normally it's by most interesting. King name. Richard, I guess, is the one that sort of spurred this conversation. Yes, because we had a million bucks on it being medieval. And do yeah. we give our example yeah. of the father? Yeah, okay. not on not on record. Oh, well, I mean oh, yeah. on record. <laughs> yeah, last year we saved that movie for almost dead last to watch the, because the father, the father, the father. Yeah, because we were. I was convinced that was a movie about priests. I still don't know what it's about. Here we you, can open you up. haven't recovered from the two popes a couple years ago. That's what it was, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was that we watched the two the popes. Father. And, yeah, it's not about priests. Uh, no. What? Take a guess. Hmm. It's about. Uh... Don't overthink it. Hmm. Anthony Hopkins, isn't it? Mm. I don't know if that helps. He's the main not. character. It's about. He's very old now. Yes. And he plays someone who's very old. You might oh. say he's the titular character. It's about uh, uh mafia family. He's Ooh, the guy. That's, oh. that's a good guess. Good guess, but you're overthinking it. He's he's just a dad. Okay. Oh. So it's from his point of view, which is unusual because I feel like I haven't seen a movie about this topic done from the mm-hmm. this character's point of view. Interesting. Oh, oh, it's the senile old guy one. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, someone with dementia. He's yep. got dementia, yep. but it's from his point of view. So like Gotcha. The as he travels around like his home, like you are as lost as he is. I, re- I remember yeah, talking. Sets are changing change. weird. The people, the actors are changing, getting swapped out, and you they don't explain what's happening, and he's so confused, and you are so confused. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was really cool. It was cool it, gr- awesome. Mm. It was probably I think it was the did it end winning? It was the best. Like he won for best actor. Yeah, he won for best actor. Did it win screenplay? It would have yes. been. It would have been adapted. Yes. Um, okay, what do you guys think Power of the Dogs about? So, full disclosure, I do know it includes a cowboy. Ranchers. Ranchers. Cowboy, ranchers. Um, I know there's a nude scene in it. 
right? Doppelganger. We were talking about that. That yeah, that is the information I led with to try and entice you guys to watch. Yeah. I'm gonna go off on a limb and say it has nothing to do with dogs. It's about a small cattle farm that's the underdog, and they they show their power by being the best cattle farm. I would have bet money on it being There's a cattle about <laughs> a cowboy suffering from alcoholism. I'm gonna say There's some drinking. I'm going to say it's a small town, well, not small town, but like a small like ranch kind of business. Somebody's come and taken their cattle. They have to go and get them back. Mm. There is some business considerations. Mm. I, I need some hints. I don't know about you guys. but I'm Oh, well, I don't want to tell you. It, it, it ultimately turns into this kind of Hitchcockian sort of like really delicately plotted thing where all the details matter. So I don't really want to give too much away because this movie is so good. Okay. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fine with that. Yep. That's fine. But uh, yeah, we, we can that, laugh about this later once we watch it. You can yeah. super cut in like the answer for the viewers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it won't be. <laughs> it's actually about Vietnam. Um, it's could not. be. That's it's an how this allegory. Mm. It's not. What do you guys think Belfast's about? This one is tough. I know it's a town T- tied for third most Oscar nominations this year. Say, is it about Germany? Is it a war movie? <laughs> Is Belfast in Germany? I, I thought it was it in like Ireland. No, or it's something. Ireland. Oh, oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, you're you're all wrong so oh, far. Shoot. Oh, sh- Scotland? Uh, I mean, you're close. It's in UK, northern right? uh, Northern Ireland. Oh, oh. come on, yeah. That's it. They'll kill you for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's a movie about someone pretty who, close <laughs> who thinks Belfast is. It was in before there was a Northern Ireland. Ireland. That's their... when this movie is set. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's weird. I immediately. I think it's just because it's named after like a town. Get Manchester by the Sea vibes. <laughs> mm. Um, there are kids involved. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like immediately thinking like the uh, struggles of like almost like another family life kind of thing. Someone and their their kids struggling in their place in this in Belfast. I don't know. That's that's closer. This is historical, I think. Is I think it? it's a historical movie. It is a period piece, yes. Yep. Oh, there we go. See? If it's in Northern Ireland, it's not about the IRA and all that jazz. I think it's a mistake. You're pretty close, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's about... it's uh, Kenneth Branagh wrote and directed this movie, and it's based on his sort of uh, memory, kind of memoirish because it's not one-to-one, and the main character isn't him, but... It's about his growing up in Belfast during the Troubles. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And his parents are the hottest parents that have ever existed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, nice. Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe, who got bizarrely snubbed for uh, Best Supporting Actress in favor of Judy Dench, who did get in for Best Supporting Actress. And um, Kieran Hines also got in for a Supporting Actor from this movie. I'm I'm going down the list of like most nominated stuff. It's Power of the Dog, then Dune, which I know you guys already know about. Unless Ray doesn't. I'm going to be honest. I, I, mean, I oh, say I know Dune. Yeah. I really don't know what Dune's about. I know Sand, it's like a... Spice. Worms. Sci-fi, sci-fi. But I thought it might have been like one of those weird sci-fis where it's also like, not steampunk, but like retro where like you have some really advanced technologies, but then you also have I'm thinking some like things Mad that are Max, like dystopian Road, kind of. of. Yeah, like... Yeah. Many machines on X. Yeah, so it's like you have like sci-fi stuff, but a lot of dystopian yeah. stuff going on. And I know. It has I mean, to we're like, in a po- post-Butlerian jihad world, so it's. <laughs> I know it's like sand, <laughs> like the, the wherever they are, it's all sand. It is sand, and I know there's a giant worm involved. There's a few of them. Um, what like, is a gift, not a gift? 
What is it? <laughs> when is a gift not a gift? This movie kicks ass. You guys gotta watch. <laughs> um, I remember seeing a trailer for it and being like way more confused than I was prior to seeing a trailer. It, it is definitely one that I am curious how people take it in if they haven't read the books or don't immediately go and read the books. Yeah, I, or really just the first one because this only covers about half half of, the first of it. Book. So I'm immediately assuming it's more political than actiony. Yeah, it's yeah. Just because I know the main... I'd say it's pretty split evenly, no? Especially, well, the movie especially is pretty split. Yeah. That's, that's the, fair. The main actor is Timothy... Because you gotta sell tickets. <laughs> yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Yep. yep. Oh, it's him? Yeah, and I just don't... Chalms. I just don't picture him as like an action star, so that's why I was immediately like, oh, it's well, that's, gonna be... Well, that's kind of... Yeah, you'll see, but that's kind of the point. But you also got Oscar Isaac in there and Jason Momoa and oh. Josh Brolin, Thanos himself, but he's not purple in this one. Hmm. Um, Is there a simple, like, three, four sentence? Whoever controls the spice controls the world. Next most. I don't think we got through Nightmare Alley, right? right. Yes. Cool. Uh, first guess, well, still Bowling Alley movie. <laughs> bowling Alley movie. <laughs> no, my serious guess, though, prostitution, but not just prostitution when it's the, I forget what you call it, when they're like trafficking young girls into prostitution. Oh, I see that. Trafficking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, trafficking. Yeah, you can trafficking. say trafficking. Yeah. I was thinking it's, uh, for some reason, just reminding me of like Hell's Kitchen, like an area of New York. I feel like Nightmare oh. Alley is like a specific, like Skid Row, you I know, like but like it's some like, there's like a Nightmare Alley where there's like a high crime rate or something. I don't I know. Like so yeah, Nightmare Alley is used as sort of a catch-all for that kind of neighborhood. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. So you're pretty much right on par with what the title is. What do you think about what the movie is? It's going to be all living out of place like that. I was going to say, I'm going to dial it back and I'm just going to stick with Skid Row. Yeah, homelessness. <laughs> Uh, Homelessness, I feel like, is a good topic to explore in the office. Yeah, uh, it's a period piece. Bradley Cooper is this Ooh, drifter who uh-huh. ends up working at a carnival hmm. in the, uh, I guess it's in the 40s. And uh, there's, a, there's a ton of other, it's a very starry cast. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro in his follow-up to The Shape of Water. Ooh, this is okay. not at all what I thought it was. Um, it is nominated for cinematography. It looks really cool. It actually got nominated for... More Oscars than expected. It's it's a surprise that it got into really any of these categories because it didn't have a ton of buzz. But in the last few weeks before Oscar voting closed, a lot of big name people, um, most notable among them, uh, Martin Scorsese, were making a lot of noise about people should watch this. And when people like that say that, people in the Academy go ahead and watch these and then nominate them. So Mm. I'm more excited to see this now. This is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, the first half of it, Actually, the, just the first hour, and it is about two and a half hours long. It's a pretty long movie. The first hour is very cool. It's him hanging out at this carnival with a lot of other interesting characters. I'm being purposely vague. Um, and then after that, he leaves the carnival and goes and hangs out in um, downtown Buffalo and is about, he's trying to kind of uh, use some stuff that he learned to kind of scam his way through the the uh, the financial uh, interests of the elite of Buffalo. Interesting. Mm. So yeah, I like this. I also like that it's from what's his face Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, notorious cool GDC. Stuff. Yeah, that Shape of Water was like one of the few movies that I like enjoyed watching that year. You liked that movie? 
Shape of Water better than the rest of the. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good year. The, the lineup was not good. That I liked year, that movie. I, I feel like watch everybody like Os- shit on that. Oscars movies. I've seen that though, and I thought it was one of the worst fucking movies I've ever Shape seen of, in my Shape life. Shape of Water that, is my mink. <laughs> that movie lineup that year was Shape not good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah oh, that man. was probably like the best movie that year. It was year. bad. Wow. That was a bad, it was a year. bad year. That was one of those movies I was like forced to watch on our cruise ship, where it's like one of the three movies they play. It's a bad cruise ship movie. I guess there's like it says water in the title. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice because it was like an Oscar movie and like not quite what you expect like a girl having sex with a fish as like a you saw a different movie Lady in the Water <laughs> yeah uh, you, saw, you saw one of the worst M. Night Shyamalan movies <laughs> so guess the plot I see of, the confusion of the shape of water you told him about the I've fish lady it. sex I, as soon as you said the had sex with the fish I was like oh no that's a different one I've heard of but I haven't seen <laughs> okay oh I think you can see where my initial reaction yeah. was coming from. It was like, yeah, it was yes. Lady in the Water. I was going to say you were like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I was like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no. Nightmare Alley has four nominations. Uh, so does Drive My Car. Oh, God. This could be about fucking... It's Drive the, My... It could be about anything. It's the Baby Driver sequel. Like, this movie not, could be about anything. Drive My Car. This is not a name where I'd ever be able to guess what it is. This one, like I am, I'm, I'm totally. So clueless. I know, I know a little bit of information about this. Okay. Does it actually have anything to do with cars? Yes. Oh, that helps me a lot, actually. So it's, this is. It's about also a, it's a it's a road for... movie. It's about a road trip, kind of. Oh, is it? Okay, I wasn't gonna guess that. It's about Tesla's fucked up autopilot and all the people it's killed. Well, this is also nominated for international, isn't it? Yes, it so is. This is a Japanese movie. It's a Japanese movie. Oh. So that's a little bit more information. Japanese movie about cars. Or that has to do with a car. I don't know why, but I'm immediately going towards teenagers. They're doing the that the road from to Tokaido. <laughs> the, they're not are in they, their car. This is a teenage coming of age movie. Are they doing when Mitsubishi forced Korean slaves to manufacture cars during World War II? They are not. This is a modern day story. Oh, okay. Teenage um, coming of age up. then. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys will never guess this. So it's uh, directed by Ryusuke Hamaguchi, based on a short story by Haruki Murakami. So this movie is um, one of the most awarded by critics' circles and critics' organizations around the country. And that's kind of being seen as a success that it got all the way to having four best, sorry, four Oscar nominations, which is pretty crazy. Not something that happens a lot with international films. There's multiple international films that are nominated outside of international this year, which is real progress, even at the same time not nominating any black women for Best Actress. <laughs> so, or having any Best Actress movies in Best Picture. Or having Picture. any Best Actress movies in Best Picture. Um, so, you know, good good with the bad. It's a story about... <laughs> Just can't get it right. Um, a man who's lost his wife, who's a theater director, who is on his way to a theater festival to direct a multilingual adaptation of Chekhov's Uncle Vanya, which you probably wouldn't have guessed. That was my next guess. <laughs> no. Hope this one wins Best Picture. That'd be cool. It's Parasite not, did. It's probably That's not a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Parasite it, it, was in a lot more technical categories and had a lot more precursors, I'd say. Mm-hmm. This is a, a Best Picture nominee, though, right? So, so the reason why this is so crazy is Parasite yes. is a... You know, a Korean production by it, but it's Bong Joon Ho who had come. He had already made movies for Netflix. He had made Hollywood movies before that, and then you know went back to Korea to make Parasite. But this is a guy who is 
just a Japanese filmmaker, Ryusuke Amaguchi. Just. And uh, I mean, like, he hasn't uh, you come You joined over. the Academy? <laughs> I mean, Bong Joon-ho made Snowpiercer. He, he had already made, like, a movie with Captain America in it at the point that he made Parasite, you know, and he made Okja for Netflix. So he'd already done stuff yeah. that had crossed over. And he hadn't, you know, Hamaguchi hadn't really crossed over before. He's in there. He's an adapted screenplay. He's in, uh, I think he got in director also. Mm-hmm. Um, worst person in the world from Norway got in to screenplay as well. So it's cool. Flea is in a couple other categories besides international. Drive my car. It sounds like it didn't get into a lot of technical, it sounds like, but it got a lot of the big ones. Yeah, I got some big ones. So that's being seen as like a really cool thing. Hmm. Um, w- once again, when these big kind of uh, successful at the Oscars, mo- international movies get into some categories, uh, none of the actors go with them, which is, hmm. you know, uh, Coda. What do you guys think Coda's about? That's all capitals, right? All caps. Like Mank? God, is there an exclamation There's point? There's not an exclamation point. <laughs> oh, CODA. CODA does stand for something. I know. That's why I was like, oh, what the Ooh. fuck does it stand for? Can, if I, I, I'll give you guys a second, but I have no idea. I would love to know what CODA stands for. Uh, I don't know if this helps. It was filmed in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Come on oh. to Adderall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gloucester, uh, Massachusetts. None of those words there? are correct for the letters. Is it... Manchester by the Sea Part Two. Now that you said it's in Gloucester, I imagine whatever the sea is in Coda is doesn't sound like a sea. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> like I want to pronounce that sea like you wouldn't Worcester. I feel like I've heard that abbreviation before too, but like I don't know hmm. how you do that. I don't know. You don't do that if it's at the beginning of a word. <laughs> I want to. What pronounce- are you talking about? <laughs> like Worcester, how it's not spelled oh. Worcester. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to pronounce saying. the C. They're talking Coda. about the way they pronounce C's like in Central Mass. It's like what are you no, like, no, no, with, like with an accent? What do you mean? Well, we stick it in the middle of one of our town names, and the C is yeah. just gone. So this is Oda. Oda. <laughs> Maybe. Osta. Osta. <laughs> See, but it's there in Rochester, just not Worcester. Give us what one of the words is, but don't tell us which Child. One. What do you mean, don't tell us which ones? They have. <laughs> so is this the one that starts with the D? <laughs> child of. No. Uh, child over. It was child of. Child of? You capitalized. Uh, why would you even put the O for of? You don't use of. In, you don't. Uh, no. Child. Child of dangerous. Answers. That's wrong. That'd be cool. This is like a real term that exists. In, I fi- I in feel the like world. I've, I feel like I've heard it. I mean, it. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense if it wasn't. Child of divorce actions. Damn. No, but it is something about parents. That's I'm immediately like, oh, <gasps> child of domestic abuse. No. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no. At a certain point, it feels probably pretty fuck, fucked up to be like tr- making a game out of this. <laughs> well, what is it? I just, uh, it just Child of deaf adults. Oh. oh. I see where you're going with that. Yeah, it does feel like. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, it kind of feels icky. Um, so it's about the only hearing member of a deaf family. Oh, that sounds awesome. All yeah, about that. immediately into it. Uh, the father in that family is nominated for supporting actor Troy Kotsur. My, my immediate question is the... Oh, the parents' deaf in real life. Uh, Troy Kotzer is, and yeah, and it's Marley Matlin who was uh, the first deaf actor or actress to win an Academy Award. Oh, good on them! Back in the yeah. day, that's good. So yeah, all the people in it are actually deaf, besides the, the, the people who aren't the char- who the characters aren't. Good stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super into this now. Do you guys know what the Lost Daughter is about? 
Nope. Okay. <laughs> the Lost Daughter. Is it anything like The Lost World? <laughs> uh, it's it's stressful. I immediately think of something to do with war. Hmm. Mm. She's like a rejected like half sibling. Mm. Spinster sister. Uh, it's about Olivia Coleman going on vacation. Cool. Dope. In uh, in Greece. Sounds nice. Mamma Mia too. In in the book it's Italy, but in the movie it's Greece or vice versa. So I might be mixing those up. Based on a friend of mine who read the book, that's what she said. Um, so uh, Olivia Coleman's in it, and it intercuts with flashbacks where the same character is played by Jesse Buckley, who is awesome. They both got nominated, Coleman in, in uh, Best Actress, Jesse Buckley in Supporting Actress, and I think it's only the, uh, you know, there's only been a handful of times that characters have been, that actors have been nominated for playing the same character. That's weird, because Olivia Coleman in The Father yeah. was also played Olivia. by a different actress. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, character. it's Olivia Coleman in present day, and then like 20 years ago, yeah. it's Jesse Buckley yeah. playing It's just character. funny. Yeah. But yeah, it is really funny. Nice. Like, literally just last year, she shared her character with another actress and now she's doing it again. Do they only give one of them the award? No, they're in different categories. Oh, interesting. You just happen to be like, you'd be credited as playing the same character. Okay. But you... It's allowed. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. It's really funny though. Wait, but is that it? Is it's just her going on vacation. It's there's well, it's like a lot of to there there's a lot of weird stuff that happens and it gets like kind of thrillery. Interesting. Oh. So, that's cool. Yeah. And this isn't nominated for best picture. No, but I really liked it. It's the uh, directorial debut of Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh. Um she also wrote the movie, so. Interesting. So I think it also got in for adapted screenplay for I mean, Maggie. We have a Gyllenhaal. lot of movies to watch. Re- yeah, realistically but... we're not catching this one because we got it's it's right on Netflix, so it's easy to watch. Dakota Johnson's in it too. Problem It'd be is, nice to see one like Best Actress nominee. <laughs> and if they're gonna see one, Olivia Coleman is kind of where I like to be. But oh, uh, she's in uh, Mitchell's versus Machines too, isn't she? She is. She's pal. <laughs> yeah, she's pal. <laughs> Do you guys know what the worst person in the world is? Me. Oh, <laughs> so sad. No, I am interested though. Is this a Best Picture nominee? It isn't in Best Picture. It's in international. And in uh, oh, original screenplay. This is the, um, from, where is it from? Denmark or something? Uh, it is from Norway. Norway. Where's person in the world? It's from Norway. Oh, the, they, it has to be an American. <laughs> 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 um, not necessarily. It is uh, kind of, a, it's like a dark rom-com. Oh. oh we should from a dark rom-dramedy. Uh, playing soon at the Avon in Providence. But uh, as we're recording this, opening wide this weekend across America, it's playing in multiple places. You can find <laughs> it there. It's uh, it's apparently a really freaking good movie that I really want to see real bad. And yeah, so that is our guesses about what Oscars are doing. So now my, my, my top pick prior to this conversation, number one watch was Power of the Dog. Scratch that now. That one's down a bit. I think number one now is Coda. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's on Apple TV. So there you go. Or Who Apple Plus, that? whatever the service is technically. Who has that? Well, whoever's watching Ted Lasso, it seems like a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Nope. Are you watching any of these, Robbie? 
I'll probably watch some of them. We'll see what happens. Mm. Figure it out. There's uh, like a list somewhere. Yeah, so... We got our Discord you know, set up, ready to go. Power yep. of the Dog is on Netflix and is really good. Nightmare Alley is now on HBO and Hulu, weirdly. Um, you can borrow Dune from yeah. me. That doesn't apply to the listeners, but... Already seen Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Coda went up quite a bit on my list. Power of the Dog went down. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think that was top of... I think that was my, like most looking forward to so it's dropped but yeah i don't think licorice um, pizza is on streaming yet licorice pizza is pretty high up on my list although we didn't talk about that one nightmare um, alley went up a little bit for me i was gonna say nightmare alley went up quite a bit i was it's already super, intrigued but it's super interesting the pieces don't all come together for me but I, I i still really like it i i it seems i'm above average in liking it but i i think there's a lot to like in there Granted, i forgot that one already that uh, was Bradley the carney one Car- carney. yeah it's just your thing. and then Sorry. he's a fancy man in Buffalo. <laughs> Granted, this year there's not like being the bottom of this list isn't bad in my opinion. I feel like we got a really no, it's good a pretty year. good. It's a pretty good year. I'm like pretty as far as like what I'm excited to see. There's usually there's like two movies out of seven where I'm like, oh, I gotta like slog through this. Mm-hmm. And now there's ten movies, and I don't think there's two I could name that I'm like not. I really just don't want to watch. I don't have high hopes for Don't Look Up, but I really love Leo, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch it. Same. The key to all these movies is don't look at the runtime before you start. Them. Mm. <laughs> Power of the Dog flies. A lot of people are saying they're boring, but I say they're boring. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Don't we won't look at the runtime. I'm ready for the grand finale. <laughs> grand finale. This Ooh. is the second to last episode of Rom Com Month. We'll be finishing with another Hugh Grant movie, Notting Hill, next week, and then it's Oscars month. All month long, we'll be yes. talking about former yeah. Best Picture winners, and then. Maybe a special episode the weekend before the Oscars where we actually talk about our favorite movies of the year. I don't know. That's a lot to ask you guys to do. So um, we'll see if so you're up ready. for it. Okay, cool. Cool. So that'll be next month, Oscar Best Picture winners. We haven't finalized the list yet, so I don't want to promise anything and then have to go back on it. But uh, if you do want to get ahead, I think we're at least doing Parasite because I really want to. Uh, Departed, too. I think we're pretty set on. We are pretty set on that. You can find us on Instagram at late to the movies underscore pod. That's the number two, not spelled out. Same deal for the email. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, movies you want us to cover in the days to come, late to the movies at gmail.com. Again, the number two, not too spelled out. You can find us on T Public if you want to buy, you know, 20 to 30 shirts before the Oscars happen. You can really impress your friends. Get that new uh what do we say? Yeah, you can get the new Late to the Movie <laughs> Superfan <Superman>. T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fe- featuring the Henson Company's intellectual property. <laughs> we'll see if that flies. Well, we have to run it by the lawyers. So but the normal T-shirt's there still. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, am I going to win? <laughs>